Here First is sponsored by UCS Healthcare, proudly delivering healthcare services across Iowa, specializing in mental health, substance use disorder treatment, and medical care with a special focus on LGBTQIA plus healthcare. More at ucsonline.org. Today is Wednesday. It is the 7th of June. This is Here First. From IPR News, I'm Michael Leland. All of the remains of the partially collapsed apartment building in Davenport are thought to be found now. And the work now shifts to accountability for what happened. IPR's Zachary Oren-Smith reports the first lawsuits have been filed. While many lawsuits are anticipated, a Philadelphia-based structural collapse attorney has filed the first this week. Attorney Jeffrey Goodman is representing former resident Dana Feerbach. By filing a civil lawsuit, uh, we're able to help get answers to what happened and why it happened able to determine who's accountable and hold them accountable, and hopefully by doing so to help inspire change. Building owner Andrew Wold, the city of Davenport, as well as prior owners have all been named in the lawsuit. Goodman led a plaintiff litigation team that resulted in the $1.2 billion settlement to the families of the 98 people who died and the survivors of the Surfside, Florida condo collapse in 2022. Meanwhile, the Quad City Salvation Army has completed one of its tasks in response to that partial building collapse. Michelle O'Neill of WVIK reports it's just getting started with a more difficult problem, finding permanent housing for displaced people. Spokeswoman Patty Mixdorf says after feeding emergency personnel for five days, the Salvation Army is regrouping. We are working with the several families. We started to do casework with and to try and help them find apartments. Then it starts with home, you know, things for their new apartments. A lot of them don't have anything left. Finding apartments for displaced tenants will not be easy. It's bad. We work with Humility and Mary and Project Now and everyone to find places for displaced folks. Right now, the apartment situation is so tight. We pay for the rent for folks that come into our system. And we have terrible trouble finding apartments because they're so expensive right now. I'm Michelle O'Neill. Former Vice President Mike Pence is back in Iowa today. He'll release a video and deliver a speech in Ankeny, officially kicking off his campaign for the Republican presidential nomination. Pence will be the first vice president in modern history to challenge the president with whom he served. K-12 schools are wrapping up classes for the year, but many will continue to open their doors over the summer to make sure students have something to eat. IPR's Grant Gerlach has more. Des Moines Public Schools executive chef Chad Taylor hands out milk cartons to a group of kids at Cattell Elementary eating turkey sandwiches, craisins, and snack mix. Oh, guys, I'm so sorry I don't, I ran out of chocolate milk. That's all right. All right. Cattell is one of 29 sites where DMPS will serve lunch in person five days a week with support from the U.S. Department of Agriculture's summer food program. Nearly 500 sites will operate statewide at schools, community centers, churches, and parks. Taylor says some students count on school for a meal even when classes are out for the summer. There are people in need and there are areas in our city that still need to realize that food insecurity is a big deal still. Taylor expects to serve up to 4,000 meals per day. Iowa is launching a new website designed to inform people about new, emerging, and possibly deadly drugs and other products. This includes both legal and illegal drugs and products. 
Dale Woolery is the director of the Iowa Office of Drug Control Policy. He says this type of educational resource about drugs is urgently needed. They're evolving quickly, faster than ever. Their their manufacture, their marketing, their use, and tragically, uh, some of the uh, ramifications of their use. You can find the website by searching online for Iowa Drugs. That'll take you to the state drug czar's site and then scroll down to Emerging Drugs in Iowa. And this is Here First from IPR News. I'm Michael Leland. This IPR podcast is supported by Cultivating Compassion, the Dr. Richard Deming Foundation, fostering causes that enrich the community, generate understanding, and cultivate compassion, including above and beyond cancer. Homes with affordable rent are scarce in Omaha right now, and that's putting the crunch on thousands of tenants in the area. Nebraska Public Media's Aaron Bonderson reports why Omaha's affordable housing stock is low and how residents are coping. It's a drizzly spring afternoon in West Omaha. I meet Amanda Sleaford and her six-year-old son at a local coffee shop. They sit at a high-top table as the boy sips hot chocolate. Sleaford is one of thousands of people struggling to live on minimum wage in Omaha. She found an affordable place in the summer of 2021, but... When I moved in, it was 640. They raised the rent to 850. It's a two-bedroom apartment off of 48th Avenue in Hamilton. Sleaford says shoddy plumbing meant the tub and toilet were backed up with sewage. The price would have been fine if they would have taken care of the property. She says the issues weren't fixed quickly. Sleaford, who is pregnant, works part-time at an Italian restaurant. At home, she cares for her son, who has a medical condition. SNAP payments and a state nutrition stipend are helpful, but Sleaford says she doesn't get housing or child care support. In December 2022, she was evicted for not making rental payments. I've been homeless in, in and out of two different shelters, in and out of friends' houses and family members and hotels. Sleaford is still searching for a home in Omaha, and she isn't alone. In 2020, there were 7,000 fewer affordable homes for low-income families than in 2010, according to an Omaha City planning report. Affordable housing is any unit where residents pay less than 30% of their total income to live there, according to the U.S. Census. It's a problem seen throughout the country, with the lasting impacts of discriminatory housing practices and inflation taking their toll. For Omaha housing experts, there are two major reasons for the shortage of affordable homes. Omaha housing manager Greg Paskash says, number one, there are not many new developments in predominantly black and brown neighborhoods. The age of the housing stock, the oldest is going to have greatest needs, typically located the east side of town, north and south Omaha in particular. Much of the east side was built before 1950. New builds are primarily single-family homes on the west end and in the suburbs, predominantly white neighborhoods. Nonprofit Together Omaha says affordable housing projects are rare because it's hard for builders to make money off them. So developers tend to favor the newer, more affluent parts of town. Reason number two is zoning. Zoning codes designate where an apartment complex, a single-family home, or a business can be built. Pascash says the city could re-examine current zoning codes and make more neighborhoods attractive to investors. Reducing the amount of land zoned exclusively for single-family residential housing. So that way you can actually have more transit-oriented mixed-use communities. He says mixed-use buildings could help meet demand. These developments feature businesses on the ground floor and apartments above them. 
Another option is more townhouses. Omaha District 3 City Councilman Danny Begley says mixed-use developments in townhouses will offer more economic opportunities all around. All those things connecting housing and connecting transportation and connecting employment opportunities for people is an important thing for Omaha. Begley's district includes neighborhoods in need of modestly priced rentals. He says the city budgeted $60 million to bolster and incentivize affordable housing construction, especially in North and South Omaha. He also says the council will re-examine zoning codes. It can maybe give some additional, like residential use types, like triplexes or quadplexes. Still, it could be years before that housing is built. For Amanda Sleaford, that's too long. I'm honestly looking at going to Iowa because I have found numerous houses and apartments. It's the problem of no workplaces nearby. Sleaford wants to work more hours, but the problem is she needs stable housing to land that job. For the Midwest Newsroom, I'm Aaron Bonderson. This story comes to us from the Midwest Newsroom. It's a collaboration among NPR, IPR News, and public radio stations in Kansas, Missouri, and Nebraska. And that's here first from IPR News. I'm Michael Leland. Have a great day.